Welcome to the Raised to Stay podcast. I'm Natalie Runyon, your host, and I'm so glad you are joining us. I pray that every episode introduces you to a Jesus you've always wanted to know and reminds you that out of all the reasons we have to quit, we have one reason to stay, Jesus. Okay, guys, we are here with John and Jocelyn Brockman. They are worship leaders and actually family. We're extended family, which makes this a really fun first Raise to Stay podcast where we're going to be talking about Raise to Stay, staying through dot, dot, dot. And I know each episode is going to just bring you guys so much hope and joy and just challenge to stay through the different reasons why we could quit, but we have one reason to stay, and that's Jesus. And that is the hope of what we want to talk about today. So welcome, John and Jocelyn. I'm so glad you guys are here with us today. We are so honored. What an honor. We adore you. And we have been following along through all that God is doing. And it's I mean, you're saying all the things that so proud. say so <laughs> third cousin. Yeah. Oh, yay. Well, thank you guys. I know that we're going to have a wonderful time talking today and you guys are worship leaders. And I would love for you just to take a moment to give us just a little background of your marriage, your family and where you have been and where you currently are. So uh, we've been married 18 years, 18 years of love. Oh. <laughs> and um we both grew up in the church. Um, we knew of each other. We met at a wedding. I asked her out. We dated 27 days, got engaged. Five months later, we were married. And at that time, I was in full-time youth ministry. She was traveling, singing. So she came off the road, and we stepped into youth ministry together. Uh, and then uh, we have three kids. And Sophia, Ava, and John Miles, who are 17, 15, and 9. So we were youth pastors for a season then did youth and worship for a season. Then we were just worship. Then we were itinerant worship. Uh, But we've served at a few churches in uh, Atlanta, Texas, Chattanooga. And now here we are uh, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Minnesota. at Creative Church. We're executive directors of production. So we oversee worship, audio, video, lighting, and just speak into the life of the church. So there's so much I would want to say because I'm so proud of us and our life and our kids. Uh, but I'll give you the condensed version and, and uh, that's where we are. Gosh, I have so many things I want to ask. So I feel like when we look at our our ministry resumes, that it would be easy to look through all the different things. I mean, we're in our 40s. So we would look at all of the things we've done and it would be kind of a, a hodgepodge of different things like youth ministry and worship ministry. And I mean, gosh, we've done all kinds of things. How has it been going through those different transitions as you've grown as believers, as you've grown in ministry? Like, what has that looked like for you guys as you say yes to each individual thing? I think every transition has been very different. But the one common thing is that we just have known without a doubt that it was the Lord. And he has given us a word or he has spoken to one of us separately. And then one will be like, like when we were going to come here, I was like, "Um, you guys go ahead and you have a nice (laughs) vacation. The pastor offered to fly the whole family out, which I love because I'm all about the whole family serving in ministry. But um, I was like, y'all go have a good vacation and I'll see you back here. And then we can move to Tennessee or Georgia or Florida. Mm-hmm. But um, that was the one time I think where I really struggled to find the yes in it. 
But once I knew, um, it was like, that's it. Just like marriage. You just know that, you know, and it is like God breathes on it. And And we've always made the decisions together. Yeah. Not only partnership with one another, but in partnership with God and taking time to uh, consecrate, to fast, Mm -hmm. pray together. And even as our family's grown, we've fasted with our family to make decisions and having them speak into it and what God's saying, you know, but like Jocelyn said, ultimately there's just this resounding, um, yes, that you have to give the Lord, no matter what it looks like. I've heard it's, uh, it's called the Hinani, which is the Hebrew word for, uh, here I am, uh, and the prophets, that would be their response. And the Hinani mm-hmm. or the yes is, that radical yes. I don't even know what you're asking me to do yet, right. but I feel like I have to say yes. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you're holding for us mm-hmm. in Colorado or Minnesota or Dallas or wherever you're leading us, um, but we just say yes to it. And um, it doesn't mean every transition has been easy. I would say in order for a transition to have worth, it has to have uh, sacrifice yeah. and uh, have to have in order for it to have value, it has pain. And um, every transition, even though it's been good, has been hard. Even the good transitions were hard and the bad transitions were even harder. Um, well, because there's beautiful church families that you're connected to in every one of those places. Yeah. And so one thing I do love about, you know, social media is that we have been able to connect yeah. With church family from Georgia and Tennessee and Dallas. Texas, you know, um, along our journey and still stay connected because that's been the hardest part of having to go is love suffers you long. love these yeah. people so dearly and they're so beautiful and they're such a part of the like the patchwork of the quilt of your life and of your testimony and your story. So yeah. Yeah. Hope that makes sense. <laughs> it does. And I, I think that what you said about like there's always a hesitation. There's always a little bit of the wondering. Do you feel like because you've seen God's faithfulness in other areas of your life, that there's a little bit of that wonder or that anticipation that motivates us to step into the new thing, as scary as it might be, because we've seen God's faithfulness before. And we know that if he starts something, he's going to finish it. So do you feel like there's a little bit of that wonder of like, I wonder what's on the other side of Minnesota? Have you ever seen that picture? Um, it went around for a while in the church world where it was like a mom and her kid on a coaster. Yes. And time of her life. And the kid's like, oh my God. <laughs> it's that. It's totally that. But you know, at the end of the ride, you're like, let's do it again. Mm-hmm. It's that risk that gives it that that value that like, oh, I thought I was going to die, but I did it. Mm-hmm. And that feeling is awesome. God, you never leave me. You never forsake me. I want to trust you like that again. And then he invites you into a, a deeper place or a bigger risk and says, well, trust me here. Um, In our family, we call it excitified. So yes. like, here we go. Oh my gosh. God's taking us on another journey. Excited. We're, we're terrified, but we're so excited because he always comes through and it's always better than we could have ever, ever hoped for. But it, yeah. Excited. I mean, we need to really put that on a shirt. Excited. Like, excited. That's what I say. I say it's like 
this brutal and beautiful thing where it's like, I don't know what you're doing, but I have to see it. Like I have to know. I know a lot of our staying community is raising children in the church and you guys have three. I have two. And I know we all have different methods of how we do the church thing with our kids, but how have you gotten them excited about transition? What are some, what's some language that you've used? Well, we invite, we invite them in on, like you said, we fast and pray together. They get to speak they get to into make, it. They get to vote. Like we, we, their voice, they hear Holy Spirit as well. Like when I, I even say in this transition, they, they heard God. Maybe before us. Before us and was speaking into us like, yeah. Oh, tell them about that. That was hilarious. Yeah. I, I was snickering in the corner. We were, we were back. <laughs> <laughs> we had did a family fast. We all fasted for three days. We said, you know, let God lead you on what, what to do. Let's spend time with Jesus. And let's come back to this moment and see what he says for our family. And we came back and this was after we had visited Minnesota and all the kids were like, I feel like we need to go. And that, uh, and Jocelyn was like, I don't want to go and blah, 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 blah. And then what did they say? Now, listen, I'm not just stubborn, by the way. <laughs> I was just thinking about my mama. Okay. Um, Ava was like, you can't give. Well, I'll say normally I'm stubborn. but No, you're good. But <laughs> Ava was like, mom, you can't give God your yes and then put restrictions on it. And I was like, oh, gosh. I was like, okay, Ava. <laughs> and I'm over in the corner just snickering like oh and ava and she, ava's your middle one right right and she's usually the one that before like this transition she would be the one like you said your your middle daughter like she'll like to just be in her own world creative you know that's kind of how ava has been so for her to check us on it um she was really tuned in and that was just also like god said i'm going to use her to really get you right. and it did it did yeah, it would. I think the kids speaking into it is just so key, mm-hmm. and then just having honest conversations. Yeah, like kids are afraid to be honest with their parents or to be honest with their leaders. And I think inviting our kids, we would have one on ones or we'd have group meetings, and like, hey, I want y'all to share what is your biggest fear with this, but then also what's your biz- biggest excitement, and then what does the word say? What can we talk about, pray about, and and even yeah. after and through the, the transition, just having honest conversation and maybe not having the answers for your kids. I think sometimes as mm-hmm. leaders, we want to feel like we have all the answers. I can't tell you how many times my kids have asked me questions and I have to say, I don't know. I don't know right. what would happen or how this is part of trusting God. And, um, but I think anybody that's in a transition that has kids, invite your, your kids into honest conversation, mm-hmm. even at young ages. Because you'll never, it'll blow your mind with the questions they ask you and the things they see. So I think honest conversation is key. It's so good. Because when we were coming from Ohio to Colorado, we were leaving everyone behind. And Sayla was four. And I mm-hmm. thought, she doesn't know what's going on, right? I'm more worried about my eight-year-old than I am my four-year-old. And we're in the van and she still had her pacifier. That's how young she was. And we had packed the whole house. We were on our way out. I'm thinking we're making an epic mistake because I'm leaving, I'm leaving my grand, my parents, they're not going to have grandparents and Sayla's in the back. And she looks at me and she takes her pacifier out and she says, mom, when are we going on our adventure? Cause we've been calling the transition an adventure. <laughs> and I said, we're leaving in a week, honey. And she looked out the window and she said, good, because in my head, I heard God say, go. And she put her oh. pacifier back in her mouth and it was like, you're and like, you're like, you're crying. <laughs> 
<laughs> I was at the red light, like, oh, go, God. And like, okay, <laughs> you know? Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, so you're right. Like, they're not afraid and they teach us faith on such yeah. a different level. I know one question that everybody's going to ask because I get it every day is how do we know when it's time to go? Yeah. Righteous frustration. The thing is, I don't want to encourage people to think to, that it has to be better. to leave anywhere. You know, I mean, we were at our church in Atlanta for almost 10 years. And I remember saying, we're going to be there forever. Mm-hmm. And um, the best pastors. And then oh. it just shifted, you know, yeah. and then I don't want to have this MO. Like, I want to be in Minnesota forever. Like, God, any step that I've taken has not been to leave the place but has been to enter a place that I plan to be on forever. I never, we've never viewed any transition as a stepping stone, Mm -mm. which we know in our denomination, we grew up in not throwing shade and it's not everyone, but there are some people that would use position as stepping stones to get to another place. And maybe that's a part of their story, but our heart is God, wherever you lead us, we want to plant and flourish and, be there forever and then then there's this time where it's like things start shifting and god starts speaking and i think ultimately i wouldn't say every transition we handled perfectly uh we there's been some immaturity on our part uh trying to figure out what jocelyn said is that righteous frustration like why am i frustrated you're getting mad you're getting mad at the pastor who his sermons always ministered to you now they don't you're mad at the youth ministry, the kids ministry, the people you sit at the table mm-hmm. and work with, your volunteers, and really nothing's changed. But you're not settled. In but your you're the one who's changed. And I remember I was having um, lunch uh, with a friend, mentor of mine named William McDowell. Uh, we've written a few songs together and we were doing a writing session and I was kind of in one of those places and I was just, uh, I was complaining, the pastor <laughs> and the people and rah, rah. And he's like, did you ever think it was God frustrating you? And it just, it just clicked. And I apologized. I had to make it right. I was like, Lord, I'm sorry. I, it was God changing me. Nothing had changed around me. It was God changing me. And sometimes it starts with her. Sometimes it starts with me. It starts with us or it starts with our kids. We start to feel this change. And not every time you're frustrated is that me. It's time to move right. or change. Um, I also think God starts to show you things in the word. He starts to bring prophetic words, but then I think you have to start having honest conversation with so your good. leadership. So good. Uh, that's key. Cause what a lot of people do, uh, they say, God's told me to go and they just go tell their leadership. So you go into a church, you have all these, like you bring in your resume, you have all these meetings and you go through this process for them to bring you in. But now all of a sudden you just make one decision and mm-hmm. you're out. But what if we had the same process that we would uh, coming into a place, leaving a place. And so just bringing our leadership in to the conversation. But what happens is, and I'm diverting, is we're afraid. We're afraid because of horror stories or because of insecurities or non-communication. We're afraid we're going to walk in and our pastors are going to be like, you're fired. How am I going to do it? You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. I'm sure you probably have something you want to say. No, I'm just listening because this is so helpful. 
because mm-hmm. these are the conversations people want to have in the community of, I feel this way. I feel guilty that I feel this way. I feel like if I leave that I'm giving up and, you know, you can stay somewhere too long. You can stay too long. And in that holy righteous frustration actually caused more damage trying to hold on for the sake of longevity than okay. just for being obedient and going. And I always tell the community, there is a massive difference between leaving and going. The going is go and make disciples. And that could be 10 years in Atlanta and then 20 years in Minnesota, or it could be 30 years all in the same spot. But I do think you're right. I think, John, when you talk about our denomination, there was something about the transition because you knew it was going to get you to the next step up. Whereas we have to shift that a little bit and not see churches as stepping stones, but to see them as family that we are going to commit to until the cloud moves. And when God moves, we move. And it's so hard though, because everybody wants it to make it longevity look like that's the prize. But when we get to heaven, we're not going to get an award for longevity in a, right. in a house. We we will for our relationship with Jesus. But when it comes to like the church, like there's not like some award we're going to get for holding on if we were told to go. So I think everything you just said was just so was so profound and so comforting. I was just saying, I, I think we avoid it too because of the shame attached to it. Yeah. Right? I remember someone saying, you don't want to be known as the person that is only there three years, you know? And I thought, I just want to be known as faithful. I just want to be known as the person that yeah. hears the Lord. And no matter what it looks like or how hard it is, I, I never wanted to leave these places. Um, I just want to go, like you said, where the cloud moves. Well, peace has to always yeah. be your compass. Frustration can never be your compass. Peace has to be your compass. And if that, if you have that, then you have everything. Mm-hmm. And I can, That's I good. can say, I can say in our time of ministry, every transition, I have no regrets. I never look back and say we should have stayed longer or we should have left sooner. I think it all happened the way it happened and God has used it all. Because a lot of times we get to our new place and things may not be going as well as we like. And then we look back, oh, I should have never left and I should have never did this and that, then I wouldn't be here. But you have to go back to that moment when God spoke to you or when those prophetic words, Mm -hmm. you know, we have drop boxes of prophetic words and voice memos uh, or things that God's spoken to us that we we go back and listen to, go back to that place. And that is what sustains you in the hard times that you're in right now. But every transition we've been through, and I grew up, my dad, that was part of his ministry. He would go in and build culture and revivals and and love on people. And then he'd go to the next place or he was a state evangelist, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, but I don't look back at my childhood and think, man, it was awful. Uh, my parents ne- ma- never made it awful. People made it awful. Uh, hurting people made it awful. But him and my mom just, it was a beautiful thing. And I think that's a part of what we're called to do. And I'm not saying we're going to go somewhere in three years. I don't know what our story is, but I know our story is to empower and love wherever we are. Yeah. And I love it because it gives us permission to see obedience as an, a privilege that it's not a bad thing if we go somewhere for a couple of years and we help establish culture and we love people really well and we're loved in return. I mean, what a gift, you know, to 
be part of multiple bodies of Christ. And you're right. There's an evangelical call on some people and there's a corporate call on some people. And that evangelical call kind of keeps us on the road. And that corporate call might keep some people within the same house for a long time, but they're all valuable. And every assignment is valuable. And one question that I get all the time is, how do we leave well? How do we leave well? And you kind of hit a little bit on it earlier when you say you don't just like show up in your pastor's office one day and say, peace out, I'm I'm done. But we've learned that how we leave is how we start. How we leave somewhere is how we start the new thing. So what have been some ways that you've learned to leave well in your transitions? <laughs> well, first off, you you reap what you sow. Yeah. So not what others say, not what others do. You reap what you sow, what you you say, what you do. So you have to be accountable for your actions. And um, I think you just have to honor. You just have to honor. I'm going to keep it simple. Keep your mouth shut and honor. That's it. Mm -hmm. Just keep your mouth shut and honor. And I'm saying that because I've made the mistake. Yeah, I've said things. I've, I've done things. I've I've made the mistakes and I've, and it's come back and, and it's haunted me and the Lord has allowed me to go make it right. Yeah, and and I think that's been beautiful, even though we've said some things or done some things in transition. Like we're human. We've never done this before, (laughs) uh, but we've been able to go back to all of our leadership and say, Hey, I'm sorry. I should have never said that. I should never did that, you know, and it's been really beautiful, but I just say, keep your mouth shut and honor and you submit yourself to the leadership into the house. It's like, Hey, this is what I'm feeling. Let's walk through this process together. And it may be a year, two years, it may be two weeks, whatever your leadership kind of decides and you come up with, but in that, just submit to that and honor because honor is like um, currency in the kingdom. We say that in this ministry that honor is a kingdom currency. And I, I think because we have a generation that doesn't want to be held accountable, we don't want accountability and anything that looks like accountability, we cry church hurt pretty quick um, because we don't want people saying you shouldn't have said that or you shouldn't have done that. And no matter, you said this earlier, no matter how well we try to transition, there's always a little bit of tension in there because people are people and we love people. And the only way we get hurt is if we love people. So Jocelyn, as a woman, how has it been challenging for you to, as John said, keep your mouth shut? Because I struggle with that holy justice and I want people to know my motives. I want people to know my intentions. I want people to leave my husband alone and my children alone. What are some ways as women that like we can learn how to kind of harness that holy justice that God has given us for a reason um, in these more tense seasons? I think the hardest thing for me has been anytime I feel like my husband has been done wrong. I can take it for me. I can... I mean, of course, your kids as well, but um, I've seen the sacrifice that he's made. I'm a nine on the Enneagram. Like I am very laid back person. It takes a lot to really get me stirred up, but you mess with my man. (laughs) And I know the man that he is. And I know the hours that he puts in and um, the integrity. I'm going to cry that he has. So... Anytime that I've ever felt like justice was not in the picture for him, that's when I've wanted to rise up. And you know what? I have. I've, like you said, I've said things before, uh, but they weren't things that I wouldn't say to the people. 
and I've said them to the people as well. Um, but then I've also went back and made it right because it keeps me up at night. You know what I mean? I lose sleep. I, uh, I, I become frustrated and, and bitter if I don't, if I don't quench my tongue and take it to Jesus. And so has it always made sense right away? Have I always felt better about it right away? Have I always, um, been able to just, not have a day or two where I'm frustrated. No, (laughs) no, it's not always perfectly um, wrapped up in a bow, but God has showed me along the way. And I'm trying to show my girls now because we just had a situation with them. And I was like, listen, you can come to me. And I think it's good to have someone you can go to. I go to John or I go to my friend, Cassie, or I go to, you know, a good solid woman of God that is a mentor in my life is Amy. But those are people that I know will also check me, you know, and say, Hey girl, it's, it's going to be all right. You can talk to me, but just keep it there. And, um, ultimately God has healed my heart Mm -hmm. and I I don't want to be the hurt person that hurts, that bleeds on others. And I want to be the person that, that walks in integrity, that does stand up for my family but does it honorably so it's beautiful oh they're giving each other little kids you guys seriously it's so it's sweet to see it because you're right we fight for each other we we don't want to see anyone marginalized or hurt and i think even if it's our spouse or if it's our child or a congregant i think anytime we learn how to really um speak with honor and to go to the right people you're right we sleep better we don't have to take anti-anxiety medicine we can we can rest and it does help our journey in ministry feel a little bit more, um, I don't know, just true and transparent. And when we're honest with people and we're having the hard conversations and we're able to say, I'm sorry, that's the picture of a reconciled church. And that's what God fights for is a reconciled church. And where there's not confusion, the enemy can't wreak havoc. So we're laying everything out and saying, ooh, I didn't like how I said that, or I'm sorry that I said that. That just brings Jesus into rooms. Right, right. Yeah, I think the church needs to learn how to say I'm sorry more. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think there's nothing better that I can show my kids than to apologize to them. Yes, we do that. Apologize mm-hmm. to her in front of my kids and even volunteers that we work with uh, that that maybe I've said something purposely or not purposely that has hurt or offend them anyway. And they come to me like being okay with, you know what? I'm sorry. And that's it. I don't have to explain myself. Just say I'm sorry and hug it out and we move on. Um, it, it's hard at times, but I think that's what Jesus would do, you know? Right. And I think that sometimes that's just the answer. Just say, I'm sorry. Don't explain yourself or try to prove yourself. Just like, hey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry yeah. I hurt you and please forgive me and I love you. And I think if you could do more of that, uh, we would see more of a reconciled church because we don't, sometimes we don't feel covered. We don't feel like we right. can be honest with our leaders or confrontational with our leaders because they always have to be right. But show me a leader that is okay to be weak because it's in their weakness. They're perfect candidates for grace. And that's where God is strong and where God is strong. He's leading his church. And, uh, and I'm so appreciative. I really feel like we were talking about it a couple of weeks ago. I think just. Every leader we've had, we've had our ups and downs, but we have great relationship yes. with them and they 
are incredible people. Mm-hmm. And we've said things we shouldn't have. They have as well. But we've reconciled you know, through those things. And I know I could call on any of them and they could call on us. I mean, we're distant. We don't live around each other. So we're not like, you know. No, we do. We reach out occasionally. I was just thinking yesterday about something that reminded me of um, Pastor Marla Rowe. And I was She's like, amazing. I just need to text her and let her know just how grateful I am for this, the seed she sowed in my life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I think she does know that, but gosh, she doesn't love to hear yeah. or get a random text that, that, you know, you have all the sacrifices you made have been worth it. And I love doing that text. Oh, like anytime you think of something or just, and we've sowed seeds into them. Yeah. You know, just like, so Hey, I just want to tell you, I love you and yeah. you're awesome. I miss you. And, it was just such an honor. And I was doing this today and I thought about you and you taught me that. So thank mm-hmm. you. You know, because we're a it's, family, it's cool. you know, like, and that's what family does. And I, people ask all the time, and I'm sure you get the question, why are you still doing this? You know, you grew up a pastor's kid. You know, John was a pastor's kid. Jossie, you grew up in the church. Like, why are we still here? And a lot of it is because we truly saw the family of God as family. Well, the, the the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart. And the second one is to love people. Sometimes we get those crossed. We want to love people, but love for people doesn't fuel your love for God. Your love for God fuels your so love for people. So follow Jesus and you'll fall in love with the church. And what we've kind of, we've gotten it backwards. We fall in love with church and ministry. And then our relationship with Jesus is just... So then when church gets weird, our relationship with God gets weird. But if we just have a relationship with the Lord, then when the church gets weird, we just go back to our relationship with the Lord and we keep that the soul thing, right? Mm-hmm. Is there a scripture yeah. that keeps the two of you grounded when people disappoint you? Do everything you do is under Everything you do. <laughs> everything. Oh, whatever you eat, drink, whatever you do. Do it as unto the Lord because people will let you down. I have let so many people down. I've been let down. That's why I do it because I want to help people and you want to like see people thrive and they're going to let you down. But if you don't do it as unto the Lord, then it's rough. Jossie, what would you, (laughs) what would you say to a young woman who wants to go into ministry? What, what is something that you would want to say to encourage her? Well, she needs to have her sword activated. She needs to be in her word. And the Lord has really even checked me on that in my life. Just back to the word, you know, that's the only part of the armor is the sword that we can fight with and that um, everything else is, is to keep us covered. But that's the one thing that is like our weapon of warfare. And I think a lot of times we don't realize how much even just one simple word in in the Bible can get us through. Like you were saying, what's a scripture, you know, heal me and I'll be healed. Save me and I will be saved for you. were the one I praise. I put it all under the blood, you know, and everything I do is unto him. It's for him. You know, I would just tell them to keep your eyes on Jesus. Is that too simple? I mean, Keep your eyes on Jesus. Yeah, and don't no, try to be the next. Don't try to imitate your your leadership. <laughs> don't try to be the next superstar worship leader. You know, and 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 I feel for those people because they didn't 
you know, they're out there just following the Lord and they've been titled superstars. You know, some of them just have been Mm -hmm. favored. (laughs) So don't copy anyone. You are what is needed in this place and in this time. You are unique. You have your own thumbprint and uh, keep yourself in line with the word in prayer, in worship. Be faithful to, if you're married, be faithful to your husband. And if you're not married, be faithful to the Lord and he'll bring all those things and just enjoy yourself. It is a lot of fun. Love on people and encourage others more than you expect to be encouraged yourself. It's not going to happen as much as you would like, but you encourage others. You be what you want to see. I was just going to add, I'm not a woman. Uh, I don't identify as a woman either. But I think too, just knowing like any young woman or young man, like you're in ministry now. Uh, a title does not define right. if you have a ministry. I mean, we grew up thinking, I want to be in ministry, which means I want to work in church. I want to pastor. But then it's mm-hmm. like, no, you, you're you ministering now. Like I, I am, whether you're working at Subway right. or you're working at Burger King or you're a mechanic or you're working in the local church, it's all ministry. Ministry is not when I get there, then I'm in ministry. Or when I get that platform or right. that mic, or that title, but now you're in ministry now, go and and make disciples now. And uh, some of the most incredible people in ministry that I've ever met don't grace a platform. Right. Their platform is their job, is where they work, and they and they do it well. So ministry. Well, now. I was gonna ask you what you have to say about that. And that is a beautiful way for us to end, you guys. Ministry is wherever we are. It is wherever God has entrusted us and with the people he has given us be it one or a million, he has trusted you with someone. Therefore, you are a leader and you are a minister of the gospel. And I hope that everyone who is listening to this does not disqualify themselves on what your resume looks like or doesn't look like or how long you've stayed somewhere or how many places you've been. God is gracious and compassionate and he does not make mistakes. And so you guys have just Man, encouraging me today. You've challenged me, and I know you're going to challenge so many people who are listening. I was wondering, John, if you would pray us out and just pray over those who are listening to this podcast. Absolutely. Before we do that, just thank you for having us. Yes. We're so proud of you and your third (laughs) cousin. And you're amazing. You're amazing. And we honor you. So thank you. Uh, But let's pray. Lord, we love you so much. Holy Spirit, thank you all the wisdom you've given us today and you will give us. I just pray for anyone listening, Lord, just the strategic time that someone may be listening um, or tuning in or watching where their heart is right now. Holy Spirit, you are moving, you are working. And I pray that you would show them their next, show them where to stay, show them where to go, show them where to sow and love on them, minister to them, bring people around them to encourage them. And I pray for them as leaders and the leaders that they're over or the leaders that are over them. I just pray that they would be raised this day. Yes. And we thank you that what you're doing in Natalie's ministry, I bless Mm -hmm. her and her husband and her beautiful children and everything she puts her hand to. We bless her book Mm -hmm. and um, we just speak life over her and over her rest and over this Mm -hmm. next season, this triumphant, season. We declare she's a champion. And everyone listening today or watching, we just speak life over them. If anybody has sickness in their body, we declare healing. If anybody needs peace, you are the peace speaker, the Prince of Peace. 
And uh, we love you so much. I honor my wife. I thank you that I get to do this with her and my beautiful children. And uh, we give you all the glory in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys so much for being here. And thank you listeners for listening in to the Raise This Day podcast. Give us a like or a share or just let us know how you feel about what you're hearing and who you'd like to hear from next. And as always, we are Raise This Day.